Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. We are uh, about a year away from a federal election. Of course, the the autumn of uh, 2019 is the scheduled date, notwithstanding some of the rumors we've heard about an early call. Uh, let's just assume it's going to be as predicted uh, sometime within the next uh, 10 to 12 months. Well, uh, both Andrew Scheer, the uh, conservative leader, and uh, Prime Minister Trudeau are on the hustings. Uh, not officially, but let's face it, they're doing some fundraisers, and the Prime Minister was at one last night, and he was trying to rally the troops. This is the politics of division, of scare tactics, whether it's snitch lines or you know hijab uh, uh, attacks. The, that kind of approach that Stephen Harper tried does not work. This idea of automatically hating something just because of who did it uh, is is a, a weak point in politics that, quite frankly, I know Canadians are better than. Uh, so he suggests he's going to take the high ground in the upcoming federal election. And I know we've heard that before from everybody, I guess, uh, before the writ gets dropped. Uh, is it going to be one of the nastiest elections? That's what some people are predicting. Uh, well, let's ask Barry Kay, political science professor at Wilfrid Laurier University, of course, uh, uh, specializing in Canadian and U.S. politics. Good morning, Barry. How are you doing today? Good morning, Bill. Listen, for the Prime Minister to claim this might be the nasty of all time, he's setting the bar pretty high because we've had some pretty ugly ones over the last number of years. Yeah, uh, look, that's just sort of <laughs> talk to encourage his his audience. Um Look, I, I'm not expecting the nastiest campaign ever, but generally speaking, um, when people go low in terms of their tactics, and I don't think it's as natural for uh, for Trudeau to do that anyway. I'm not sure it is for Sheer either. I think if Bernier had been there, and or maybe uh, Harper in the past, certainly he was involved in attack ads, but usually negative campaigns are undertaken by people who are behind in the polls. And right now, the Liberals could be doing better, but in fact, they are still ahead. I'm not sure whether or not they're in majority or minority territory. But uh, I think it is unseemly for, more unseemly perhaps for Trudeau to engage in this kind of negative attack ads. The kind of thing we saw with, um, with um, Harper in his days, uh, going after people like Stefan Dion and, and Ignatiev, trying it actually with Trudeau, but not, not successfully. Um, that in fact it can work if in fact they're able to play on certain themes that the public is receptive to. Uh, uh, trying to diminish Trudeau, because he had good hair, if you remember, that was sort of the yeah. tagline at the end, got a little frivolous at the time, and perhaps the whole, whole approach uh, had outworn its, its usefulness. Uh, negative campaigns can work. Um, I'm not sure. I think it's too early to suggest that it's going to be this or it's going to be that. But I suggest that if we do see this coming up in the election next year, I, I had actually been fearful that we, were, we might actually have a, a snap election over the free trade issue if, in fact, it looked like the auto industry was going to be in jeopardy. That seems to have been put aside the last few days. But if we, if we see a negative um, campaign, wherever it is, it's probably going to be a, ref, a kind of a sign of desperation on the part of the people that are engaging it. It can work. I don't want to say it never does work. But at the moment, I, I, I don't think it's a strong likelihood. Well, we, we, we did see a lot of that, as you're absolutely right. And, and to your point of what usually it's people that are trailing to do that. I mean, Harper actually, I, I think, raised it to an art form. Uh, and, and not just Harper, but obviously the people around him uh, going after, well, the liberals because they were in disarray and, and just about anybody else, obviously Mulcair when he was in the crosshairs. But is, is, is that kind of politicking the new normal now? Because we seem to see more and more of it. It can work. I, I don't want to say that uh, it's never going to reappear. Uh, I mean, I guess the dirtiest campaign, at least in terms of the federal leadership level, was uh, was with regard to uh, to Cretien undertaken by the Conservatives back in '93, and it totally backfired. Um, but we're certainly seeing instances in the states. Uh, it, it it only works in certain circumstances. First of all, it's only motivated by people typically that are in behind or think they're in danger of falling behind. 
front runners normally don't engage in that kind of risky risky behavior. It can backfire, but uh, there has to be sort of a kernel of truth or at least receptivity on the part of the uh, the public that think uh, in the case of um, uh, Ignatieff that he really was just visiting, that in fact he'd spent much of his time outside of the country and that he was sort of using this as an opportunity and if he wasn't going to win he was going to pack up and go home, which is kind of what happened anyway. He mm-hmm. ultimately went to uh, Europe rather than to the uh, United States. Uh, the attacks on Dion, I'm thinking of some of the recent campaigns where this kind of thing was used uh, nationally. Uh, the uh, the attacks on uh, Dion, I think, had, it was a very credible person and a meritable person in many, many ways. But he did not come off as a leader, he, uh, and he was not particularly effective at English. Um, uh, if the public is thinks that there is something underlying the negative campaign, that there's a, a kernel of truth there, it can be effective. Um, if it's just a scattergun approach, the fact that it's it's been tried unsuccessfully with Trudeau in the past makes me think that this isn't where the conservatives want to go. And I don't think Andrew Scheer, that's his style. Uh, Andrew Scheer was selected by the conservatives basically because he was likable and got along with people. Um, uh, I mean, not, not to say that he doesn't have other qualities as well, but I think that's what distinguished him from some of the other people at the end of that campaign, particularly uh, compared to, to Bernier. I think if Bernier had been around, and we sort of seen with his... Uh, departure from the Conservative Party now, I think, was prepared to take a, a much heavier hand in terms of his approach. It, uh, uh, again, I'm, I'm kind of fudging on the answer to your question, because I don't think we have seen the end of negative campaigns. But they certainly don't always work. The one truism usually is that they're undertaken by people who are fearful that they're, they're going to lose if they don't try it. And it's frequently a desperation tactic, but occasion, occasionally it can, it can be effective. I, I agree with your assessment of, of Andrew Scheer. I've never met the man, but just uh, seeing him you know, for the last year as the leader of the party, he he doesn't seem comfortable in that role. I don't mean as leader, but I mean as as an attack, attack dog, as, yeah. as an attack guy. He I I know Harper was was very comfortable with it, and and obviously used the, the, that tool very effectively. But don't you think that when when Stephen Harper finally stepped down, and and when Ronna Ambrose, for instance, was the interim leader. Uh, the party tried to rebrand itself. I remember, you know, I know she said it tongue in cheek, but Ms. Ambrose was making a speech to Party Faithful at a convention and said, uh, "You can like us again. The big mean guy is gone now." And I know everybody laughed about that, but I think there was an element of truth to that that they just said, "We don't want to be branded that way anymore." Well, see, what, they're also apart from attacking leaders, um, negative campaigning can be used in sort of targeting unpopular groups. I, I was fearful. I'm not so much at the moment that the immigration issue. Um, and people illegally crossing the border might be an issue that resonates, and that if the conservatives were desperate, ap- apart from whatever attacks they might make on, on the persona of Trudeau, that indeed they might go after other subgroups like that and try to use that effectively. I'm not sure that's the conventional notion of a, an attack ad, but it certainly is an ad that would be an approach that I think would be harmful to the fabric of society. Goodness, when we see what's happening in the States just overnight, uh, Trump's speech last night, again, I'm not a fan of uh, Trump has come across, and other times we've chatted about this, but um, the negativity that we're seeing down there um, is, is really scary. And I really hope it's not just happening in the States, it's happening in much of the West, Western Europe as well. Uh, I'm really fearful that indeed um, our politics might take a turn for the worse if we start going after minority groups and people that are vulnerable. And there were elements of that, I think, in the Quebec campaign, and there may be elements of that in the uh, policies of the new uh, the new government uh, uh, in Quebec under this uh, the CAQ. Uh, so when we talk about negative campaigning, <coughs> there's that aspect to it too, sort of demonizing segments of society that are perhaps less popular. But yeah, I, you're right. I mean, obviously, we've seen what's gone on in the states, and and the, some of the elections, the more recent one in Germany, uh, it got pretty ugly and very personal in many ways. It, is it inevitable then that it's got to seep into the Canadian pol- political scheme? 
Oh, certainly not inevitable. The irony is that we're one of the few countries that has, doesn't seem to have had experience of um, negativity toward uh, toward uh, minorities coming in, particularly uh, in the refugees category. Part of it, of course, is the fact that relative, compared to most Western industrialized countries, we're relatively immunized because of geography. We do not have a we're almost unique among Western countries and not having a border, or at least easy access from a country poorer than ourselves. We've got big oceans between us and Asia on the one side, us and Europe and Africa on the other. Um, and that's part of the reason that this has not resonated so much, because we haven't had that many uh, people coming in claiming illegal status, particularly poor people. When uh, refugee claimants come to Canada, they basically landed at Pearson Airport. So they've got to have at least enough money to get on an airplane. And as a result, they're, they're somewhat more middle class, probably better educated. Um, so, I, again, I, I, I don't want to suggest it can't happen in Canada. I think there are some unique characteristics about Canada, especially our remoteness from poorer countries, that that makes the the claim of large numbers of refugees um, less less likely to occur. Now, now if, if there's any coming in, they're coming in from the states, ironically, because of the fear that they have of being able to to, to stay there. But um, it, this this phenomenon of hostility toward outgroups is something that is certainly uh, tra- transcending much of the Western world in Europe as well as the United States, and I, I just hope it doesn't doesn't occur here. But if, if you're trailing or if you want to win the next election even, I mean, you know, th- we don't know what the polls are going to indicate right now. I mean, the Liberals, I guess, have had a, a, more, a relatively decent lead for the last eight or ten months here, but do you need a wedge issue? Because, I mean, let's face it, Barry, a lot of people just don't pay attention to policy. I mean, you know, you start talking about GDP to somebody and just, their eyes are just going to glaze over, but if you get a wedge issue, that, that gets them going. That seems to rile people up, and, that, and that's seems to be the modus operandi for, for a lot of politicians these days, is to find that issue. The Conservatives right now seem to be, based on the Nanos polls that come out weekly, seem to be in the six to eight point range, a lead over the uh, Conservatives. That would probably give them government the most seats. It's not clear whether it would give the majority. It might. But if the Conservatives get desperate, and we'll see, I don't think it e- would come easily to sheer. But if the Conservatives get desperate and need a wedge issue, that could be one that's effective, and that's certainly something that Bernier was talking about, and it seems that a few others in the Conservative Party were talking about. So if the Conservatives are in the, in the we're, we're projecting ahead because it looks like it'll be next October when the election occurs. But I, I wouldn't be totally surprised if this kind of issue came out of the bag of tricks the Conservatives had, and I think that would be unfortunate if it was. But it would be, you know, political. I don't want to say just desperation, but political uncertainty and fear that would motivate it. But if you make it personal, which you know the politicians have done in the past, and we've seen some of those attacks. You mentioned about you know Trudeau and the hair. Uh, there are people out there that just don't like Justin Trudeau, but they probably didn't vote for him the last time. And they're not going to vote for him this time. So you're really singing to the choir here, aren't you? That's right. Yeah, it's a matter of what will motivate wedge. You know, the, you're, the, the people that are strong liberals or conservatives are probably not going to be moved by these sorts of things. But they're you know, if the margin is only six to eight points. Or it may be closer, who knows. But if, in fact, it's like that, I could imagine some people in the Conservative Party might suggest to, to uh, Shear. I don't think it would be natural for him, but you know, winning is what politics is about. That it, under those circumstances, anything is possible. And uh, it's, it's a different take on negative voting from uh, what we started out talking about, which is sort of attacks on the leader. Uh, but that, that, that is something I'm fearful of. And, and by goodness, it, it's certainly happening in so many Western countries that uh, in Europe where, uh, like Sweden, for example, where the, uh, what they, they, it's called the Democratic Party, but it's the right-wing uh, anti-immigrant party there, 
I'll, Sweden would have been the last place I thought that this kind of thing would resonate, and in fact it has. Sweden's a country that's been much more generous to refugees than just about any other on a, on a proportionate basis. Um, so I don't think we should, can close our eyes to the possibility. I guess that's all I'm saying. How, how do we rationalize, though, the, the, the disconnect here? Because time and time again when they do surveys, uh, the overwhelming majority of people will say, we, we don't like attack ads. They think, we think they're awful. They, they, they have no place in our political system. But as you mentioned, and, and the numbers seem to indicate, they work. In other words, you know, we may not like them, but we seem to be listening to them, and they do seem to sway us in some way. Oh, no, I, I understand why it's politically correct for most people to suggest that t- attack ads are inappropriate and not useful. They, it's not that they always work. They can work. Um, and uh, they also can backfire. But if you're behind in an election, that's when you're more likely to be motivated to take a chance. That election, that that dramatic election of 93, where there was those uh, people were basically uh, in the ads were making fun of Jean Chrétien's hearing impairment because he he talked out of the side of his mouth because he had poor hearing in one ear, and he wasn't probably the most telegenic of political candidates anyway. Um, and in fact, it totally backfired. The conservatives were reduced to, uh, to two seats as a result of it. It was the most dramatic loss for a major party in Canadian history. Uh, so it's not that they always do work. It's just that they're sometimes tempting to use on the part of people who feel that if they don't try something, they're going to lose the election in any case. That's, that's the, the problem. If the election's close, um, I'm hoping that it, they won't resort to that. They'll use more positive approaches. The attack on immigrants, um, it's something that could, uh, you know, the reason uh, you know, I brought it up at all, it's something that could be used if, because there are elements in the Conservative Party that think that they can perhaps w- um, bring over a few people who feel that the, uh, the immigrants and refugees are going to take their jobs. People that are economically insecure, and that's the segment of the population that's in the states that seem to make the difference in tipping Trump over into an Electoral College win. Uh, these were people, many of them don't even vote normally, but people that found that in the states that uh, they were fearful of the, um, of the way the economy was changing. They were fearful that there was, un- they felt unrestricted immigration into the U.S., which wasn't true, but the perception can become the reality. It can, it can work, and it can't, could be employed here. Um, let's let's hope that that's not the case at the end of the day. Yeah, but we saw vestiges of that in the last election with the snitch lines being proposed and things of that nature, and, and it did resonate in some circles. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure it ultimately did. Uh, again, I think it had some impact in Quebec. Ironically, it was the NDP in Quebec that was particularly hurt by the fear of uh, people wearing uh, uh, niqabs and uh, various uh, uh, wear that restricted their, their appearance. That, that became an issue here. It's, it's ironic that there were, there were people, I think, largely in the Parti Québécois that were attacking uh, people voting NDP. Ultimately, the winner out of all of that, at least in the Quebec vote, part, part of the federal vote, were the Liberals who actually had policies not all that different from the NDP. But they weren't the ones that were most closely identified with it in the ads. Um, anything's possible. Anything's possible. It shouldn't be thought that uh, attack ads necessarily work, but that in some circumstances they can work, and that indeed it's people that are politically in relatively dire and desperate circumstances that are inclined to use them. But uh, this, is the, this has certainly been the, uh, the M.O. Of, uh, of Trump in the States, and it's the M.O. It's not just the U.S. It's the M.O. of a lot of third and fourth and minor parties across Europe. We're seeing it in Italy. We're seeing it in Holland. We're seeing it to a certain extent in England, explaining the, uh, the Brexit vote. Um, it, it is out there, it could happen, and we shouldn't shut our eyes to the possibility. But the reality here is there's no shortage of issues. I mean, if you wanted to run an issue-oriented campaign, you got a lot, a lot of fruit to pick from there. Yeah, and uh, in a lot of ways, things haven't worked all that smoothly with regard to the, the pipeline, uh, with regard to uh, certainly the cap-and-trade aspect of the environment. Um, 
the electoral reform. These are all issues that, in fact, the federal conservatives have stubbed their toes on. The economy's not bad, though, uh, and they have only had one term in office. What we saw provincially with the liberals is they've frankly just been around too long. And uh, what had seemed a, a popular, the fact is that, um, that uh, Kathleen Wynne had won quite handsomely four years before. And, but people just got tired and they felt it was time for a change. Frankly, that's what happened in, uh, in yesterday or Monday's Quebec election as well. It was time for a change. There, it's a, the, a whole new party system is being introduced. Uh, the CAC, a party that hadn't even existed 10, 10 12 years ago, is now the government. Um, we've seen, the, in Ontario, we've at least seen the same parties, but very much reconfigured. The liberals that were dominant for much of our time in power for 15 years reduced to a rump, not even having official party status. People are prepared to, uh, to vote for change. Um, one of my favorite uh, slogans, I'm sure I've used it in the past on, on your program, that governments are defeated, not elected. What that means is that elections are about the incumbent government rather than the opposition. And if they're, they're prepared to give new people a chance, I think that's what happened with, uh, with Trump in the States. But it's certainly what's happened with the CAC in, uh, in Quebec, and I, I guess with regard to the move away from the liberals uh, in Ontario that people, um, at some point, uh, familiarity breeds contempt, and that after you've been around for a while, people want change. But it's so bizarre when that does happen. And, you know, Ontario's example is, is bang on. Uh, but we tend to go to extremes. In other words, we're going to throw the bums out, but then we go way to the other side of the political spectrum. I mean, they did that in Alberta, obviously, when, yep. when the Conservatives finally got defeated. They were in an NDP government. I mean, 10 years ago, Barry, if I said that's going to happen, uh, you know, you would have said you're nuts. I believe it, yeah. No, I mean, there was a fluke. I mean, that was partly, in the Alberta experience was partly assisted by the fact that the, the right-wing party split into two. And they aren't again, and I don't think the NDP is going to stay in power as a result. The NDP victory in Alberta was clearly a fluke, but it was a fluke that was basically precipitated by the, the conservatives, uh, conservative splitting. Uh, the reason I started talking about these provincial examples, though, is that because the federal liberals have only really been in by next October for four years. And normally, governments are given, there's exceptions, but normally governments are given a couple of terms in office before they're thrown out. If they do well, they may stay for longer. Uh, the liberals had been reasonably powerful in Quebec and certainly in Ontario, where they've been around for 15 years. My hunch is that going into the next federal election, that was the, sort of the starting point of our conversation, uh, that the liberals are the party of advantage. It doesn't mean they can't blow the election. There may be an issue that will come up because, in fact, the, the policy agenda of the liberals has not been all that effective in power. They really haven't gotten their act together. But the economy isn't bad, and I'm not sure there's intense hostility. But goodness, if there's uh, claims of all sorts of illegal refugees crossing the border, all sorts of things could, in fact, or if the economy does start to turn south, um, we're, we're seeing, certainly going to see problems with the, the, the dairy sector is not a huge part of our economy, but there are people that are probably starting to grumble in that sector, and perhaps in other sectors as well. Things can change. A lot can happen between now and next October. Absolutely. Barry Kay from uh, Wilfrid Laurier University. Always a pleasure, Barry. Thanks for this. Thank you. Bye for now. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.